Welcome to the last episode of the season of Kentucky Deceased, and today is none other than Halloween itself. woo Everyone who knows me knows that I love all things creepy and spooky and weird and bizarre. My anniversary is on Halloween. I am a Halloween fanatic, and it is no surprise that this episode is the most special episode of the season. Not to knock the other episodes, I am a little biased. I think they're great. But this episode, we have an incredibly, incredibly special treat. I've promoted it extensively, and I know everyone is ready for me to stop talking and to just let it happen. But I wanted to just end this season with a little bit of updates and some information just for everybody who is listening. First, thank you guys for coming on this journey this year. We have had a great time working on this season of the show and putting together all these amazing and fascinating episodes. I feel like at the conclusion of this season and last season, so many other stories have come to the forefront that are exciting and worth sharing. And it always inspires me to definitely do another season. So as I said last time, we will be back next year. Not quite sure where we're going to head thematically, but I welcome any and all suggestions. In the interim, if you have a scary story of your own, either one that you have self-published written yourself or have experienced yourself, we would absolutely love to hear it. Even just from a historical perspective, collecting that kind of data is wonderful and amazing and helpful and fascinating. So please don't hesitate to contact us at the Capital City Museum. The other plug I've got is that we are gearing up for a change of seasons from the spookiest season to the rest of the wonderful holidays that encompass the fall and Christmas season. The one that kicks it all off here in Frankfurt is none other than Candlelight, which is the annual multi-day event to celebrate all of Frankfurt's wonderful spirit around the holidays. Here at the museum, we're going to be doing a ton of fun activities, including 25% off everything in our gift shop, as well as ornament decorating and face painting and coffee giveouts, which is a weird way of saying we'll have free coffee for people. On the first Thursday of Candlelight, there will also be carriage rides outside of our building, sponsored by Downtown Frankfurt Incorporated and Herod Brothers. So there's a lot to see and a lot to do. If you have thought about purchasing Christmas presents or Hanukkah presents or any kind of seasonal presents, then I really hope you're thinking about shopping local. Having people invest in our community is really what makes it happen. And speaking of investing in our community, as we enter November, it is the annual month of giving or thinking about giving and giving thanks. There's a obviously huge capitalistic holiday towards the end of the month. But one thing I want to encourage everybody to do is if you've enjoyed this podcast or if you value and appreciate any of the programming that we do or any of the preservation that we do, I cannot encourage you enough to donate to the Capital City Museum. We are a really small institution. Our staff is city funded, but everything else that we do is paid for by a 501c3 that is operated by a really amazing board of individuals that help us accomplish what we want to do. This includes exhibits, um, any kind of programmatic activity that we do, any kind of displays that we do, any kind of involvement we have in the community. It is with their help and service that we're able to do that. And we really rely on donations in order to accomplish that. Another plug is if you do donate to us, we will write you an acknowledgement letter. And depending on how your taxes look, um, you know, I'm no tax professional, but it might be helpful come the turn of the year. Also, in the month of November, we're going to be doing a donor match. So please, 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 please consider donating to us. Anyway, uh, we're now going to get into the episode. Like I said, I know I've hyped it a lot. This is an incredibly special episode. It was recorded actually about a year ago now with none other than Russ Hatter himself. This is a huge bonus for all of us. 
and getting to hear more about his time with the Ouija board and experiences with the Ouija board. But I have a caveat. Like I said, I recorded this audio a year ago, and I remember at the time it sounded great, but when I went back to edit it, it sounded not great and at no fault of Russ's. So please forgive the audio quality. I think the content is still incredibly fascinating and amazing. So I'm really excited to get to share his story with you all. Without further ado, I will see you guys next year. so happy to share that we have an expanded update and more context and information from the one and only Russ Hatter. Hi, Russ. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for doing this for us. I'm delighted to come with you and share these experiences because I've always been a skeptic when it comes to the supernatural and uh, of the Ouija board and that sort of thing. And I had to change my mind because of events that occurred. I want to start with my days in Ohio. I was uh, born in Cincinnati, Ohio. Went to school at Elmwood Place and then moved up to Green Hills. And when I was a senior, no, I was not a senior. Whenever I was in school in 1958, one of our classmates, he was a freshman. I was older than him. He was in 1958. He was found mysteriously behind the Catholic Church school, hanging in a tree. And I wanted to share with you, this is from August the 20th, 1958, newspaper. Green Hills Police last night were investigating the death of 16-year-old Donald Miller of Andover Road, Green Hills, who was found yesterday afternoon in the woods near his home. Police Chief Johnny Baldwin of Green Hills Police said the death was apparently accidental. Missing since Monday afternoon, when he apparently left his house to pick up his equipment at Green Hills High School, where he was a star fullback. Miller was found in a wooded area 150 feet east of Winton Road and 350 feet south of Farragut Road. A rope was found around his neck and another strand was tied to a nearby tree. He was pronounced dead at the scene. His parents were reported their son missing on Monday night. Chief Baldwin had organized a search party, including auxiliary policemen and members of the Green Hills High School football squad. They found him there in the woods hanging, apparently accidental. Now, how do you hang from a tree, apparently accidental? None of the classmates, none of the kids at school agreed with that assumption nor did we think he would commit suicide. Donnie was uh, a very handsome boy. He had the, the build of a, a bodybuilder. He was a lifeguard at the Green Hills Country Club. He, he, he was an amazing young man, but he also was just a little short upstairs in his mind. I don't know how to explain it. Slow, but it's, he wasn't totally, um, what we would term as as normal, if I could say that. And it's my opinion, of course. And we just didn't feel like that he would commit suicide and definitely did not think it was an accident. I have kept journals for a long, long time, since 1955. And I looked up the funeral, August the 21st, 1958 when I went to the funeral home, and I wanted to share with you what I wrote. He was all puffed up 
yellowish looking. His face had a weird glow. His football helmet was beside him and a crucifix was above him. The number 61 representing his graduation year. He's gone. Donnie Miller is no more. I saw him there, lying there so dead, so cold looking. His parents seemed afar off. I wanted to cry, but I just can't. He's gone. I wonder how many will remember him three years from now, 1961, his graduating year. Well, now we'll fast forward a couple of years. I went off, graduated from Green Hills High School and went to Grayson, Kentucky, to Kentucky Christian College. And while I was there, I got a job at the local radio station in Grayson. And we had a very good experience there. I met the girl who had become my first wife, and um, we were sharing moments together, and she happened to bring out her Ouija board. And of course, Russ Hatter's very skeptical. He didn't really uh, get too excited about it, but we started working with it. She primarily operated the Ouija board with it on her knees and my knees in between us. And it was very rough on the arms to do this, but it kept going off the board and it wouldn't answer any questions. And finally, I asked the Ouija board, I said, are you deliberately going off the board because I don't believe? Yes, it immediately went to yes. So I thought, well, I'll give it a serious question. And I asked for my mom and dad's anniversary, September 24th. How could that? There's no way my wife would know that uh, that anniversary date. So I asked a few other questions and I began to play into it. And I got to thinking about Don Miller. Maybe the Ouija board can tell me something, the spirits. I told the story about Donnie that I shared with you in the newspaper and how I always felt like he, he was murdered as opposed to suicide or accidental situation. So I asked the question, was he murdered? And it said, yes. And then I said, who killed Donnie Miller? A nun. Now remember, this is behind a Catholic school up there in New Hills, Ohio. And so I said, what was the nun's name? A-D-A-M, Adam. Adam who? Is that first name, last name? It wouldn't go any farther than just saying Adam. So then I asked the question, why did this nun kill Donnie Miller? And then I will have to tell you this. My wife was blindfolded because I didn't trust her with this game. So she's blindfolded. And she spells this out with her fingers on the, not the planchette, just her fingers on the board because he raped queer Mary Porter. Who was Mary Porter? A nun. Well, I got to thinking if the word queer might mean odd, strange, maybe something about the woman she was susceptible to this handsome young boy. And maybe they got together because he raped queer Mary Porter. And then they had to hush it all up. Church, it would have been a big scandal. Uh, Donnie's family were uh, owners of a very prominent uh, lawn care service in Cincinnati at that time. And maybe it was, you know, Let's just settle this thing this way. So I asked the Ouija board, I said, should I research or should I 
you know, do something about them? Should I talk to the police chief? I knew Johnny Baldwin from living there. And it said yes. And so I later called my mom and dad, asked them, told them about what the Ouija board said. Oh, Russell, you can't believe in that sort of thing. Oh, don't be so silly. To forget that. Don't even fool with it. Then I had a, another friend who was a Catholic young girl about my age, and I asked her what she thought I should do. Should I really go to the police about this? And she again poo-pooed the whole idea. Said, Russell, this can't happen. This, this, is, this is foolishness. And somebody mentioned to me, I think it was in the book of Isaiah, that Isaiah says, when you want to know something, you call upon the Lord. Don't call upon anyone else. And I'm sure you're all familiar with the first and second Samuel on the witch of Endor and so forth. And um, it's in the Bible. So here I am trying to figure out, should I believe this stuff or not? So I decided to do as my parents had suggested and as my friends suggested, to just put it out of my mind and forget about it. Well, time went on. Uh, at the time when we were doing all this, we weren't married, but I lived in a one-room apartment, an efficiency apartment, but pulled down from the wall bed, a little tiny bathroom and a small closet and a kitchenette type thing. So it was hard to lose things. Well, somehow or another, my suede jacket that my mom and dad got me for Christmas was missing. And I didn't know where, how, or what. I must have left it someplace. And then it would show up again months later, hanging in my closet. Okay, I overlooked it. Another thing that happened was the watch my mom had given me for babysitting my little brother while she worked. She gave me a bowl of a watch. It, it quit running stopped. I took it down to the jewelers there in Grayson. They couldn't find anything wrong with it. It worked fine for them. And it quit again as soon as I went back to the house. So there were little things like that that were happening. Well, then I come to Frankfort, Kentucky to take a job at WFKY Radio in June of 1965. And while I'm at the radio station, I meet the engineer. He and his wife were also interested in psychic and the Ouija board. And so we coerced my wife to bring out the Ouija board and start doing things with it. Well, we, uh, I told him about Donnie Miller and everything. We did some experiments. We put my wife in a far room in the back of the house. We had David think in his mind a certain symbol. She, she got one right out of four attempts, a star. And whether that was a good guess or not, I don't know. But anyway, I'm just building this thing up for you. So we um, decided that we would pursue trying to find out more about Donnie Miller. I had begun began uh, collecting books on the occult, on Ouija. And one of the books said that the spirits cannot harm you. You might harm yourself by reacting to what they might tell you, but that's on you, not the spirits. And it said what they can do is remove objects, stop clocks, little things that would irritate you just to get you to, to think about what's going on here. So I began to associate what I read in that book with my jacket, which by the way, it showed up again. So I had it and my watch. And then we found out about a man here in Frankfort, Kentucky that lived down on St. Clair. Many of you may remember Father Ellis he might be able to give us some assistance about what to do in terms of Donnie Miller. Maybe it was Donnie's spirit that had stopped my clock. 
Maybe it was Donnie's spirit that had somehow managed to move my jacket around. Maybe he was trying to get me to do something about his murder. So we go to Reverend Ellis and I talk to him and I was going to share with you uh, my journal where I talked to Reverend Ellis. If I can find it here. This is taken from my journal of November the 12th, 1965 at 4.45 in the morning. The past two or three days have been quite enlightening. My wife and I, plus the engineer at the radio station and his wife, visited two mediums. Wednesday night, we went to Reverend James Scott Ellis on St. Clair Street here in Frankfort. I alone spoke with him. He first said a prayer, asking God to send to us what he wanted us to know. Then the others left, and the room was vacant with just me and Mr. Ellis. He began to work with me. He walked back and forth, throwing his hand out karate style, and he mumbled a lot, and all of a sudden, he jumped back with his hands in front of him and said, well, the spirit belt got me. He was a blind man, by the way. Then he started to speak to me. He said I was worried. I was troubled. I was worried about something I couldn't put my hands on. It was a, a, a person. And then I told him the story that I've already shared with you about Donnie Miller. And then he said that he was trying to get me to clear his name, Donnie Miller. He, Reverend Ellis, said Donnie did not commit suicide. It was foul play. Then he told me I should get in contact with a Mrs. Fightmaster in Lexington. I had previously made an appointment with her. He told me she would be able to communicate with Donnie, that she had a horn with voices. He also told of a spiritualist camp up in Indiana, Camp Chesterfield. If I went there during the season, I could actually see and talk with Donnie for $5. <laughs> we then talked of other matters. I asked how he first learned of his powers. He said when he was a small boy, a colored man came to him on the street and said, hey boy, did you know you got something that other folks don't have? You got the healing power. And then he said, I could heal too, if I would but practice it. He also told that I had a guardian spirit or an angel that would find his name and I would find his name out soon. He said I had a spirit for success that was born in me. Said that no matter what I did, I would be a success. I could quit my job today and have a good job in two weeks. We talked for an hour. He said I'd been married for two years, no children. My wife was lovely, that we were very close, and he couldn't say that about very many people. He said I wouldn't go to Vietnam, not for my wife to worry. It was getting late. He said he would pray for Donnie, that we should go deeper into this matter. He wanted me to let him know that what had transpired with Mrs. Fightmaster, the others would have to take with them later, talk with them later. So I wanted to share with you our little trip to Mrs. Fightmaster. We went to Lexington. It was on uh, Exmoor Drive, I believe, right off of Nicholasville Road where Jerry's Restaurant used to be. There was a street that went down there. I think it was 
Exmoor, something like that. Anyway, we went to her house, and I was expecting, you know, an old crone dressed in black with a big pimple on her nose and so forth. But when she came to the door, she looked like my eighth grade civics teacher. She had gray hair, very pleasant smile, and she invited me and my wife and also uh, the engineer and his wife into their home, into her home. Uh, first thing I saw was a Dion Warwick album on the piano, and I could smell beans cooking back in the kitchen area. But she showed us into a large room, like a hall, a big room with chairs all the way around the sides of the room, the walls. And this apparently is where she held her seances. She took her index finger and my index finger, and she put it on my fingers. And I told her the story of Donnie Moore that I've shared with you. She in turn says, he's here standing right behind you. Then she proceeded to describe him. Nice, handsome boy, crew cut. She described him down to a mole that was on his cheek near his lips. I didn't recall that mole. I didn't recall that. But later, after we returned home, I got out my annual, our yearbook, and sure enough, there was that little moan. So here I am beginning to believe. And she said that Donnie didn't feel like he needed me to do anything about uh, restoring the story, the true story of what had happened. He was willing to let things go. Didn't want to make a scandal for his parents. There weren't any reasons to really go any farther with it that I could relax and forget about it. But then my wife wanted to talk. She had, back when we lived in Grayson, she had uh, worked for her aunt, Bernice Boggs, whose nickname was Bunday. And she brought her first paycheck home and I said, you know, I, I think there's an error here. I think there's a mistake. I don't think she paid you what you're supposed to get. So she went immediately back down to her aunt and made that statement. And of course, her aunt got mad about it. She said, you think I would cheat my own niece? Your, your, your nickname is for me. I can't believe you think that. And she wound up really being upset and angry. And my wife quit the job. Well, shortly after that, her aunt died. And then my wife had gone through all this remorse, wondering, oh my goodness, my favorite aunt, and she died and she left me on, without ever reconciling our feelings and everything. I just wanted to know if, if she was okay or what. And of course, her index finger was being touched by Mrs. Bikemasters index finger and she said she's standing right behind you and i remember my wife kind of got nervous and scared and the spike master said no don't, don't worry he says you can talk you don't need the ouija board you can hold your own seances you have the ability to reach out to the spirits that freaked her out she just got scared to death and Anyway, the aunt had told her that everything was okay and not, not to worry anymore about it, to put that in, in all her fears to rest. I later found out from other members of the family that my wife's mother apparently was psychic. There were other members in her family. One of the sisters, she was able to um, touch the heavy part at the back of your neck, there's a little hump there. We all have it. And she can give you a character reading that you wouldn't want to admit to. It. So deeply true. And, and of course, I, I didn't think much of her. And I'm just, 
So I knew that she was getting it pretty good about my feelings. And then Aunt Bunday, the woman that died that had the store, she had the ability to take a burn away. There was a cousin, not a cousin, it was her niece, my wife's niece, a little girl, Tammy was her name. She had a cigarette burn on her face, and I saw Aunt Monday take her fingers and quote some scripture, either from Psalms or, or somewhere else in the Old Testament. And she said something, that verse, and I saw it go away. I'm telling you folks, I'm a skeptic, but I saw this. I couldn't deny it, what she was able to do. And then I found out way back in the 1800s, one of their ancestors, Hans Bog, had the ability of levitation. He would often be traveling between Ashland and Grayson and people that knew who he was, uh, who he was, would ask him to demonstrate, show stuff. In this one instance, this woman had a basket of eggs, and he made one of the eggs rise up out of the basket and gently put it on the other side of the road on the ground. Now, I don't, this is what I was told. Well, Mr. Boggs apparently at a revival meeting, got religion in Ashland. And he was told by the pastor there to destroy his magic books and his occult books and got to get rid of this and get it out of his system. So he agreed to, to do that and to become a Christian and deny that this was the devil's work and everything and just get away from it. But then he spent the rest of his life, when he tried to sleep, Hearing this, it would never stop. Nobody else could hear it, but he could. So these are strange things. And since that time, in the late in the 60s and the 70s, I gobbled up every book on the occult, on the Ouija board, and on mediums, psychics, Bishop Pike, and all these people, um, just to try to learn more about it. In November, still living in Grayson, Kentucky, I did this in November of 1965. Remember, I found out that uh, my guardian angel was Father Riley, and my wife's guardian angel was Eldon Stevens. We also had a guardian angel for the engineer at a radio station, and his wife had a guardian angel as well. So we started out that night in November the 11th, 1965. This was in Grayson, Kentucky. No, no, it had to be in Frankfurt. Anyway, it says, is Eldon Stevens with us? Yes. Does Elvin Stevens have anything to tell me? Yes. What is it? Be of good faith. Elgin Stevens is with you. Is there any other way you can talk to me other than through the Ouija board? Yes. How? In what way? By seances. Who should I hold the seance with? And then it spelled out E-W-A-L-S-I-U. What is the name of Russell Hatter's guardian angel? B.S. Brown. Who or was B.S. Brown? Spells out E.T. and then it's spelled Evangelist. Is B.S. Brown the same person as Father Riley? Yes. Then Buddy said thanks to Eldon Stevens and Father Riley. Is it all right to talk to you in seances? Yes. Then that same day, we did another session with the Ouija board with my wife's mother. Do I have a guardian spirit? This is her asking the questions. Yes. 
And this is my wife with her little finger blindfolded going across the letters of the alphabet. What is the guardian spirit's name? Sarah. Sarah what? Alexander. Sarah Alexander. Is that her name? Yes. Where did Sarah come from? From my mother's side of the family or my father's? Mother. What kin was my mother to the Alexanders? Granddaughter. In Grayson, Kentucky, I often have a feeling of someone near me. Was it Sarah? Yes. Was she here with me a few minutes ago? No. Do I have two guardian spirits? Yes. What is the name of my second spirit? Bernice. Bernice who? Boggs. Bernice Boggs? Yes. That was Aunt Bundy, Bernice Boggs. The presence I felt a moment ago, was it Bernice Boggs? Yes. Was she here for a purpose? Yes. What did she want from me? She wants to talk to you. About what? Ask her now. Bonnie, if you're here, this is her sister she's talking to, and I feel you are here, communicate me through the Ouija. I know you believed him, Bonnie. If you're here for a reason, please talk to me. Hmm? Bun, don't leave. Ouija, is Bun still here? Yes. Does she want to talk to me? Yes. Let Bun talk to me through you. Will she talk to me through you? Yes. Bun, Bun, will you talk to me? Please, let me know what's wrong. Wait, Merle on Tammy for me. You want me to wait on Tammy for you, Bun? You will hear from me. Is that all you want to talk about now? Meet me tomorrow. I will let you know about... Let me know about what, Bun? Margaret and you. When will I know to meet you? I will let you know about the hour. How will you let me know? You will feel me here. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Yes. Bun, do you want to talk to me about anything? Bunny is here. You know that, don't you? Yes. How did you feel about that argument prior to your death? Did you go away despising Russell's wife? No. You forgive his wife before you went away? Ask her. Does she know? Yes. How did she know? I met her. You met her? Anything else? Where did you meet her? The other night and talked to her. She is so pretty. Take care of her for me, Merle and Tammy and yourself. Meet me tomorrow. I will go now. Goodbye. Ouija, has Bun gone now? Yes. Ouija, should I contact Bun through you tomorrow? She will let you know. Is she gone now? Has her spirit left? No. She's still here with me? Yes. She doesn't want to talk anymore? No. What does she want to do? Look at all of you and visit with all. Ouija, you communicate with Bun. Is Bun happy where she is? Yes, she would not be back here again. We will meet her soon. Do you mean in spirit or in death? Spirit. Should I go ahead and have my operation? No. Why shouldn't I? Ask her tomorrow, and she will tell you why. Meet her for sure. Is that all you want to talk about? No. What do you want to talk about? She loves you. Does Bun know about the feeling 
in the family when she went away? Yes. Will she talk about it tomorrow? Yes. I know they love Bun, and I know the love Bun has for me and Margaret. Does she feel like I'm in the wrong? Ask her. Is Bun's spirit here? No. Was Bun's spirit the one that caused me to make up my mind to sell my beauty shop? Was Bun behind my moving? Yes. Did she have a reason for Merle to leave? Yes. Could you tell me the reason? You are to take care of yourself, and then you can live a happy life. You deserve it. What else am I supposed to do? Is that all the purpose? Yes. Was it all right to keep my shop? Was it in her plan? Yes. You know why you kept the shop. Do you know why I kept the shop? Yes. Then tell me, why did I? To pay debts. Do you want to talk anymore? Yes. A few months ago, you called me a parasite. Do you remember? Yes. Can you call me a parasite now? No. What do you want to talk about? About Dan. He loves you very much. He will get a divorce soon. He will want to ask you to be his woman. Will he want to marry me? Yes. Are you then talking now? Are you through? No. We just, let's leave my personal life out of this. So do you still want to talk about it? Yes. Well, what is it? Ask Miller. Ask Miller what? About Davy and you getting along. He wants to marry you. Which man should I marry? Dan Davis. Why? Ask him. Is it because Dan is more financially able to take care of me? Should I ask? No. Is Dan better off financially than Miller? Yes. What should I ask Dan? Meet him soon. I'm tired now, aren't you? No. Could I talk to Mom? No. Why not? She is asleep. What does that mean? Mom's in heaven? Yes. Does it mean that Mom's spirit doesn't want to return to earth? No. What do you mean? Ask her. How can I ask Mom? Me. Medium. What about Eck? That was her sister. Could her spirit return to earth? Yes. Could I communicate with Ethel? No. Who could? Russ can talk to her. Can he talk to her through you? No. How can Russ talk to Ethel's spirit? She will come to him when she's ready. How will Russ know? He will feel her there. Should he talk to her through you whenever he feels her? No. Why can't he talk to Ethel through you? His powers are evil. What is it about Russell's power that is evil? Does he believe in you truly? Yes. Does he believe in the spirits? Yes. Why are his powers evil? They are too strong. Too strong for the spirits? No. What do you mean? What are you trying to tell me? He is too strong for me, and he can't talk to them without me. He doesn't need you to communicate? Yes. Would you let him use you to communicate? Yes. How can he use you? By himself? Yes. Will you let him do it now? Yes. Why is it that you and I get along so well? You are a medium. Do you mean that I'm the type of person that can communicate with spirits? Yes. Can I turn you over to Russell? Yes. Goodbye. Will you tell me goodbye? Yes. Goodbye. 
goodbye to you. So then I take my hands and I watch my wife answer these questions. This is Russell Hatter. Can you talk to me about Ethel? It went off the board. Then my wife's mother, Merle, takes over. Can Russ talk to Ethel? Yes. Can Russ put his hands on you and talk? Yes. Can he do it now? Yes. So then I put my hands on the board. Will you talk to Russ? No. Will you talk to Russ with Merle's hands on Russ's hands? Yes. And nothing ever happened. Shortly after that, my wife started to talk. And you must understand that she's spelling out all these answers with her finger. And it's very hard for her to do this. Her arms are aching. And she didn't like to do these at all. Now, this is her speaking that same day and night. This is Russell's wife. Do you know who I am? Yes. Russ has lost his folder. Do you know of his black folder? Yes. Can you tell us where this black notebook is? Yes. Where? Station. What station? Radio. Exactly where at the radio station is this book? Jojel. J-O-J-E-L. What does Jojel mean? Restroom. Is the book still there? He lost it Thursday. Yes. Should Russ get it now or wait until the morning? Now. Why should he go now? It may not be there in the morning. Thank you, Ouija, very, very much. You're welcome. So I went to the radio station and I found the book, but it was not in the restroom as such. Then I go back to the Ouija board. Russ found the black book, but it wasn't in the restroom. Yes. What do you mean by restroom? Place for people to rest. Does it mean a place for one particular person? Yes. Who? Boss. Which boss? Bob Dahl. Bob Dahl was the manager of the radio station at the time. Was it in Bob Dahl's office? No. Where was it? Restroom. In the restroom where people relieved their bowels? No. Where is this restroom? Office. Whose office do you mean? What name is on the door? Dan Blayton. He was in charge of sales at the radio station. Why did you call Dan Blakeman's office a restroom? Because Dan Blakeman goes there to rest. Thank you, Regia. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And good night. Dan was known to go to his office, shut the door, and sleep in his chair. Restroom. Incredible. Well, there were many other little stories like that that were in there. Um, I decided to pursue the story of what my wife could do with the Ouija board and put it on the radio station. We had a program that came on at 6 o'clock in the evenings, Monday through Friday, and it was very popular. It was called Let's Talk It Over. And it would be about various subjects that were of interest, how many cats were running loose in South Frankfurt, or uh, just whatever, general problems, current things going on. So I went on the air that night with my wife and the Ouija board. And I ask, of all of the thoughts regarding God, which is the closest to, which religion is the closest to what he would have mankind associate with? 
and it spells out P-R-O-T, Protestant. Well, immediately, Catholics started calling the radio station, complaining about this. And then I continued to speak. I said, of all the various denominations of Protestantism, which one is the closest to what God would have us do? And it spelled out N A Z A R E N E Nazarene. The phones just went crazy. Baptists were calling, Methodists were calling, Christian churches calling, and one lady called. And she called to tell me that anyone can go to Camp Chesterfield, Indiana, and speak to their loved ones who are deceased. She later sent me a letter, which I kept, and she sent me a brochure for Camp Chesterfield, the 80th annual convocation that was being held June 17th, August 21st, 1966. And in the letter, she said this, Mr. Hatter, dear sir, I was the lady who called you on, let's talk it over on WFKY about Camp Chesterfield, Indiana. I'm sending you a 1965 program. It's actually 1966. Every year or so in April, they will send you one if you will request it. You can make a hotel reservation. There's a coupon in the book, and you can get a lot of information out of it about Chesterfield Camp. I have been there a number of times, and it is always absolutely factual. And it's not fake. Yours truly, Mrs. So-and-so. She lived on Maryland Avenue here in Frankfurt. These are odd things, people. I, I, I just never, ever saw anything like it. To think that this woman could be blindfolded and just put her finger on the board and answer all these questions. I have a few people here that you might be interested in that I ask about. And uh, this would require me talking to Father Riley. And this is what we learned from Mrs. Fightmaster. That's where I found out that mine was Father Riley and that the guiding spirit for my life was Elvin Stevens and the others. Well, I want to share with you uh, just a few things here that uh, that happened with the Ouija board. This is just a few days later in the month of November, 1965. And my wife is only using her finger now, blindfolded. And I asked the question, are you here, Father Riley? Actually, I think this is my wife is asking this. Are you here, Father Riley? Yes. Do you want to tell Russ Hatter anything? Yes. What is it you want to tell him? Go to bed early for a week. Your body is run down and you need a good rest. A good rest may prevent a nervous breakdown. What if the good rest doesn't? What will happen? He will have to see a doctor, which will cost a lot of money, which I know he doesn't have. Is there anything else? No. May I ask some questions about your personal life? Yes. How long have you been a spirit? Ten years. How did you die? Natural causes. It was my heart. What was your experience in death? A complete feeling of peace and closeness to the master. Was there any color after death? Yes. Was the color the same as in life? Blackness, then a soft pink glow from afar. 
Do you experience color now as you did when you were alive? Yes. What is your birthday? September 7, 1897. How old were you at your death? 58. In what state did you reside? Wyoming. What town? Sarta. Were you a minister in a particular church in Sarta, Wyoming? Yes. Which church? Baptist. Why have you chosen Russ Hatter to guard? I did not choose him. How did you come to be his angel? God appoints us people to care for. How long have you been his spirit? Four years. Did Russ Hatter have any other main spirits before you? Yes, but I don't know who. Are you allowed to tell what you think of Russ Hatter? No. Why? God lets us know very little about the people we look after. Will you wait for Russ's wife to rest her hands and then talk some more? Yes, I must go for a while and I shall return. He continued. Eldon Stevens, are you here? Yes. My husband wants to know if the spirit or actor Bella Lugosi is here. No. Where is his spirit? We do not know. I suppose I will never know. Do you know anything at all about the spirit of Bella Lugosi? Only God knows. Is Buddy Holly's spirit with us? Yes. Does Buddy Holly have anything to say to my husband? Yes. What? Thank you so much for not forgetting me. There have been so many that have. You are truly a dear friend. I only wish I could have known you. Goodbye, Russ, and thanks again. I will never forget you for what you've done. Please talk with me again, your friend in spirit, Buddy. Buddy Holly was one of my favorite performers. He died in 1959 in that horrible plane crash. Took the big bopper and Richie Valens as well. And I always had loved his music. And since I worked on the radio station, I was in a position to play his music. And I did a lot. Back to the Ouija board. Eldon and Buddy, thank you. Is the spirit of Jack London with us? Yes. Now, Jack London was a real influence on my life. When I was just a sophomore in high school, I read his book, Martin Eden, E-D-E-N, which is uh, sort of a, an autobiographical book. And in the end, he commits suicide. Well, Jack London, a lot of people thought, he committed suicide, and he died. So this is what the Ouija board shared with me through Father Riley. Does Jack London have anything to say to Russ Hatter? Yes. What? Good luck, Russ, and keep hitting those books. I wrote some great stuff, you know. We have to keep that old Jack London legend alive. All the kidding aside, thanks for reading my works of art. Be talking with you again soon. So long, Russ. And he also mentioned my wife's name. Can we ask you a personal question? Yes. Now, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Did you really commit suicide? No. How did you die? Normally. According to the reports, you took morphine and your wife she said you died from uremic poisoning. My wife could never get anything straight. I was taking drugs for a bad kidney infection. Then Russ Hatter said, Jack, I've taken the name Martin Eden for my own. I created a, an organization called the Martin Eden Enterprises. We did programs on the radio station using that, that moment. Uh, I've taken the name Martin Eden for my own. Is that all right? And then my wife said, Jack London, did you hear what Russ said? Yes, sure, Russ. That's great. Makes me feel 
like a million to know. Keep up the good work. Is Errol Flynn's spirit here? Yes. Errol Flynn, of course, was a flamboyant movie star. Played at Errol Flynn and played George Armstrong Custer and they died with the boots. And he played Robin Hood and a lot of great adventure movies. And I really liked him. And I liked his book that he wrote, My Wicked, Wicked Ways. So, is Errol Flynn's spirit here? Yes. What did you think of the way the publishers handled your book? It was pure truth, but you can't believe everything you read, can you, Russ? <laughs> From then on, Russ asked the questions while his wife was the medium. Several years ago, I read your book to a group in college. Were you aware of this? And from reading this, we gathered you were a very unhappy man most of the time. I was never really happy unless I was alone. Do you hold any malice towards your first wife, Leila Gamita? No. Is there anything in particular you want to say? Nothing was responded. Well, how about Mr. Coates that you mentioned in your book? Where is he? Is he around? Oh, yeah, he's a bum now. I guess without me not around to take care and give him a few bucks, he just went over the hill. While I was taking down his words, I was thinking in my mind, you, Errol Flynn, were a judge of good-looking women. What do you think of my wife? And before I could verbalize my next question, he started saying this through her with her finger. Russ, you really have a cute little thing. I mean, of course, your wife. Hang on to a good thing. Don't mess everything up like I did. Okay, Russ? Okay. Now, is there anything you want to tell us? Nothing for now. See you later. And take care of that woman. Really a cute little girl. Errol the Great. And then I asked whether the spirit of Adolf Hitler was around. No, but he's still living. How old is he? 69. Where is he now? Sweden. He has changed from what he was? Yes. Is he now a good man? Yes. Should we try to find him and turn him over to the proper authorities for punishment? No. Leave him alone. He will meet his punishment soon enough. Well, basically, that's all. I just wanted to share these because I witnessed all of this. I saw it all. I heard it all. I watched that, that young woman, my wife, state, make all these statements. And it's just absolutely incredible. I don't know. Do you mind to share? what ended up happening with the Ouija board? Sure. The, uh, I, I kind of, you know, went on about my life. A lot of those things were never answered. I never felt any of the spirits that they said I would. Nothing ever really occurred. I was still basically a skeptic, and I wondered if maybe that's why I couldn't break through into the other world. But... Over the years, I married again, and I got involved heavily in the church, and I decided with my children, they were very young kids, that we would burn the Ouija board. And so <laughs> we took the Ouija board out outside uh, in the driveway and put it on a container and poured gasoline on it, and we lit the fire fire went out. We tried it again. And it started to burn, but it wound up taking a period of three days to actually burn that ridgeboard. I don't know. I have one last question for you. Do you have any advice for anyone who might be listening at home and think to themselves, I think I want to try the Ouija board now? Well, 
From what I learned from Mrs. Whitemaster, when you go to ask the spirits questions, you have to say a prayer. Uh, a prayer basically saying, and this is to ward off unnecessary spirits who just want to get in and mess with you. And if you don't say these prayers, you, you, you're not get the wrong kind of answers. So the prayer was something like, may the Lord watch between me and thee while we are together, was the one that this lady told me to use. So if you're going to try it, don't be silly with it. Be serious with it. And you may be surprised what kind of answers you get. And you may not get anything at all out of it. It's more than just a game. Thank you.